The contents of this show are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Any information on the show does not create a client-therapist relationship and should not be taken as professional advice. Before making any decisions regarding your health care, ask your personal physician or mental health care professional or call 911 for any emergencies. We are three friends exploring connection from the coffee shop to the podcast studio. I'm Amy. I'm Anna. I'm Erin. This episode contains sensitive topics, so this is your official trigger warning. Okay, so today we have Feather Burkauer. We are so excited. She is with ParentingSafeChildren.com. Feather is a licensed clinical social worker and holds a Master's of Social Welfare from the University of California, Berkeley. She has been a leader in child sexual abuse prevention since 1985 and has educated nearly 150,000 school children, parents, and youth professionals. Her well-regarded workshop, Parenting Safe Children, empowers adults to keep children safe from sexual assault. Feather co-authored Off Limits, a parenting book that will change the way you think about keeping children safe. It is available on her website, and she presents in schools, youth organizations, parenting groups, and businesses nationwide. Feather is also available for private consultation at an hourly rate. And we are so excited to have Feather on today because of the connection to keeping kids safe. And I was really interested in having Feather on because reading her book, I noticed that so many parents don't trust that inner gut instinct. And so I really wanted to talk to you, Feather, personally about how parents can trust that inner gut instinct. So the connection to that that instinct. So, so Feather, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited, gals, and let's jump in. Yeah, All let's right. do it. Yeah. So we wanted to just start off with a little bit of your own background, and we'd love to hear about how you got involved in this work and why it is, you know, so important to you. Okay, great. So I always kind of giggle when I'm asked this question because the story is it's not all that exciting, but <laughs> it is what it is. So when I was in undergraduate school at San Francisco State, I had to do an internship for my BA, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with a women's studies BA. Mm. And I found an internship at an organization called Child Assault Prevention, which was a school-based program that taught kids about bullies and strangers and people they know and love and trust who may touch them. Mm. And I was brand new to the issue of child sex abuse. I did this internship when I was about, I don't know, 20 years old. And I can't tell you why, but something was sparked in me. Mm. Something moved me so much that I knew I had to do this work. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, I, I had seen a movie on TV, a made-for-TV movie, which was called something about Amelia, about a 10-year-old girl who was being incested by her father. Mm. And while at the end of this two-hour movie, I turned to my roommate and said, that's my life work. Wow. And I just decided in that moment, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. So, wow. That yeah. is really, that's an intense calling. And so clear, it sounds like, that you knew yeah. what you had to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I can personally say so. I attended one of your in-person workshops, and I know for me, it was a whole new perspective that I had never gotten exposure to before. And I think, I mean, I was just so grateful for everything that you kind of brought to the attention of the attendees. So I'm wondering if, you know, from your work and the workshops, if you can talk a little bit about, and I don't know, I know we had talked about a warning that maybe we wanted to give our listeners. Was there some? Yeah, actually, I like to call it an acknowledgement that Mm. there are survivors joining us today. There are people listening who have experienced child sex assault Mm -hmm. because the numbers in this prevalence is so high. It's one in three girls and six boys by the age of 18. So I just, yeah. So did you say one in three girls, one in three girls and one in six boys by the age of 18 will be sexually abused. Yeah. So So if people are listening who have lived through this themselves or have friends and family and loved ones who have just to take care of yourself while you're listening, this will be an empowering session and will give hope and, you know, skills, but it also can be very personal and we all want to just acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So your whole goal, it sounds like, is like raising awareness. And then I heard you say empowerment, which I that's like the best thing about (laughs) the message is that, you know, for such a heavy, intense topic that often, you know, people don't really acknowledge. It's so great that you are taking the perspective of raising awareness and then giving people hope. Yeah, that's what Parenting Safe Children is all about. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how the organization started and its mission? Sure. So when I worked for the Child Assault Prevention Program and all the years that I I actually stayed with that program for about five years after I got my master's, and then worked in mental health and worked in treatment with kids who were sexually abused. And I just, for me, I came to the belief that it's really an adult's responsibility to protect children from sexual assault, Mm -hmm. that children can learn protection skills, and it's important that they do, and we can talk about those today. But ultimately, it is up to adults to protect kids, not for children to have to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And they still need their skills. But what we can talk about in this call is how parents and caregivers and anyone with kids in their lives can create environments for children that minimize risk by deterring adult people who have the propensity to sexually abuse children. And that's what Parenting Safe Children is all about. So I moved from working with kids to working with adults only. And that's when Parenting Safe Children was born. Like, I think it was back in 2006. Mm. And so... You know, I offer workshops to parent communities and to youth professionals Mm -hmm. in rec centers and schools and churches, synagogues, wherever youth professionals gather Mm -hmm. and give the education to both parents and people working with kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Anna. Yeah? You know Erin's a pretty badass therapist, uh, right? I totally know. I just, like, take notes when she's talking. <laughs> Me too. Some of our audience does as well. Uh-huh. So did you know that there's also a place that you can get information directly from her? On her website, right? Yeah. And didn't you do it? Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, so there's all these free workshops that they're offering. And at thekaliinstitute.com, you can sign up for those. K-A-L-I is how you spell Kali, and then institute, thekaliinstitute.com. Get it done.
The thing that really struck me about your book is I feel like when I became a parent, this was like my number one fear of keeping my son safe. And then actually Amy introduced me to you Mm. and your work. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I went to this workshop and I immediately went and got the book and I devoured it. And the thing that was so different about your approach is that I feel like so many times people talk about like it's such a huge fear. It's such like a this thing that can't be stopped in a way. Mm. At least that's how I thought of it before. And so reading the book, it was like, wow, there are actually things I can do as a parent. And it just the book presented it in such a way that it was like, here are actual tips and practical advice on things that you can do as a parent and as a caregiver. (laughs) So glad to hear that. (laughs) And it was like, it gave me so much hope. It was like, this isn't something that my son just has to be a victim to or like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so from then on, I started, I tell every single person about it. I even have a friend who I gave her the book and she, it's a very sensitive topic for her. So I redacted it. (laughs) I like went Uh through uh and I was like, I'm going to just white out these parts that, you know, are a little more, um, a little more visual just because the other parts of it are just so vitally important. Like, I feel like this is required reading for every single parent and caregiver. Can you tell us one thing, just one thing from the book? Like you just talked about feeling so empowered and getting hands-on skills that you walked away with it. What's one thing that like a light bulb that went off for you or that that you took away? Yeah. You know what? There are so many things. There's actually three things that I took from it. Well, quite a few, but the things that stand out are like using the actual body terms Mm -hmm. for the body parts, because I feel like with young children, it's so easy to want to use like cutesy names and like not the actual correct names. So that's something. And then the consent thing is so huge. So it's really hard as a parent to ask my son, like, can I give you a hug? But I feel like that sets him up for having boundaries around his own body and to start learning consent. So I ask him like, hey, can I give you a hug? And sometimes he says no. But that's one of the things that I really got. Those Mm -hmm. two things really stand out about how to teach a kid Mm -hmm. consent, you know. And I actually encourage parents to celebrate when their child says, no, I don't want a hug to Mm. you, to grandma, to grandpa, to the adults around the child. And usually all the adults get their knickers twisted up yep. when the oh, child yeah. says no to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's happening when your child says, no, mommy, I don't want to hug, is you are allowing him to choose when he receives and gives affection and truly to be the boss of his body. And yeah. that's modeling for him the bigger picture. Because if someone else who is unsafe tries to touch him in a way that is uncomfortable or is sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. then he has the practice and the knowledge that he is allowed to do that. And Mm -hmm. kids who who do not know that they have refusal skills Mm -hmm. will not use them because they don't have them. Mm -hmm. And so this is a biggie, you know, in the work that I do and, and all prevention people who try to teach this is that so much of the time families want their children to respect and be polite yeah. relatives and use their bodies to show that politeness. And that is one of the biggest vulnerabilities that a sex offender looks for. Mm. 
Yeah, that reminds me of, well, there's this podcast I really like. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, Feather. It's called My Favorite Murder. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. have, it's kind of silly, but they have this saying and it's F politeness. And it actually empowers mm. women and people to forego the ideas of being polite in the effort to really trust their gut and say like, this isn't a situation where I need to be polite here. This is a situation where I need to stand up and trust my gut. And be right. safe. And be safe. Yeah, right. exactly. And and the way you teach that to a five-year-old, mm-hmm. because my guess is all three of you want your kids to be polite and have manners and follow rules. Most right. people want that. So it doesn't mean you can't teach manners and politeness, but it's just super important to give children from young ages an exception to the obey authority rule. Mm-hmm. And that when you're teaching, and you can do that through what-if games like you know, teaching a child, yes, they listen to the teacher when the teacher says, do your spelling words. And how you can present it is, what if your teacher asks you to sit at your desk and do your spelling words? So you guys answer. What should your child do? Listen. Do the spelling yeah. words. <laughs> do right. work, work on spelling. Right. Yeah. And what if your babysitter, and this is how you can present it to a child. What if your babysitter says, why don't you brush your teeth and get ready for bed? What should you do? Brush your teeth mm-hmm. and get ready for bed. Right. And what if your babysitter says, let's get naked and roll around in bed together before you go to sleep? What should you do? No. (laughs) No, say no and go and... Tell someone. Tell. But how does a child know the difference between saying no to brushing teeth and rolling around naked in a bed if all a parent ever teaches Hmm. is... You listen to the babysitter, Hmm. she's the boss. Listen to the teacher, she's in charge. So what I recommend is if you're so inclined to tell your child to listen and follow rules and do what the adult says because the adult is the adult, then if you truly want to reduce the risk of sex abuse, you must give them an exception. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, you listen to the teacher. Yes, you listen to grandpa. Except, and the exception is, except if your body's safety rules get broken, Uh and Uh we can talk about what those are, Mm-hmm. Or if anyone ever asks you to do anything unsafe, you have my permission to say no and go and tell. Now, do anything safe is a maybe a large concept, so get specific with kids. Mm-hmm. Ask you to touch private parts. Ask you to look at naked pictures on a computer. Asks you to steal, mm-hmm. cheat on a test, lie. It's not just mm-hmm. about sex abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right? so You're, good. Yeah. Yeah. So you bring it all in. Yeah. Right. You weave it all in. Yeah. Something else that really stood out about your book, just as we've been talking, is the idea of having no secrets. Oh, yes. And like instead calling it like Mm -hmm. a surprise. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that, Feather? Yeah. So older youth who sexually abuse and adults who sexually abuse often use innocent like and I'm putting quotes around that, innocent like secrets in the beginning to test a child's willingness to keep a secret. Mm. And the way that sometimes begins is through language like, let's eat a bowl of ice cream, but not tell your mommy Mm. because Mm -hmm. she'll get really mad. You're not allowed. Mm -hmm. The child keeps the secret because the child wants the ice cream and the child really likes this person. Most people who sexually abuse children, the child knows and the parent knows, loves and trusts. So this is, we're not talking about strangers here. Mm -hmm. So the child's super excited. They get to eat the ice cream. The next time the babysitter comes says, let's stay up late past your bedtime. Don't tell your dad. Mm-hmm. And this is all what we call grooming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gro- yes. Grooming around secrets. 
kid loves the fact that they get to stay up late. Next time, it's about looking at funny pictures on the computer. And these secrets escalate Mm -hmm. over time until the person believes the child's a willing part of the secret keeping. Mm -hmm. And after they are confident the child will keep the secret, then it moves into more sexual touch around keeping secrets. And so what's so important to teach children is that we don't have secrets in our family and to teach them the difference between a secret and a surprise. And you can start that around age four. Mm -hmm. And with older children, it's confidentiality versus secrecy. And secrets are things that somebody asks you never, ever to tell, which makes kids sometimes feel really worried and scared and nervous and uh uh-oh feeling, which we call intuition or the gut feeling. And surprises are things like gifts and surprise parties, presents under the tree, holidays, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. those we can keep. And that's where we begin our education with kids around secrets and surprises. The other thing that's important to say around this is sometimes unknowingly innocent, well-meaning adults ask kids to keep innocent secrets Mm -hmm. like grandparents, yes, like parents with another parent or a child with their sibling. You give me an example. Can you guys give me an example? Have you ever asked a child to keep an innocent-like secret, not a surprise, but an innocent-like secret from another adult? What would be an example? Well, I mean, I know of definitely the staying up late, like the older, gen- you know, grandparents with their spoiling mm-hmm. the kids. So kind of going against all the rules to have fun or to make light of or not make just to have fun in yeah. their time. But I know that it's been under the umbrella of like, don't tell your mom, mm-hmm. you know, or like because, candy because yeah. yeah, because we're going to I know she's not real excited about you staying up late yeah. and eating all the sugar, but this will be our, you know, fun time or whatever. Okay, this will so be our little secret. That we stayed up late yeah. and we ate candy. One more. Don't tell. Well. Somebody else have one. Don't tell. Oh, I had a situation with a friend was that she had recently got married. And so the stepdad was trying to create a relationship with the like pre-adolescent boy. And so he was like, I don't know what they were going to do, but they were like, hey, let's go do this and let's not tell your mom. Mm. And then my friend found out that this was happening and it was like very like benign and innocent. Mm -hmm. But my friend, I think that she took your (laughs) workshop and she was like, we don't have secrets! We don't have secrets! And so she was uh, telling this whole story and it was like, yeah, so when, as you're talking, all of this language is like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is where it came from because I've heard Mm -hmm. all this stuff before. And so you got a good reach, Feather. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, Thank you. Yeah. So don't tell mom we had candy. Don't tell yes. dad we went shopping yeah. and bought shoes. Don't tell mommy we ate chocolate before breakfast. Mm-hmm. All of these kinds of secrets. And why do you think adults ask kids to keep a, quote, innocent secret like that? What are they trying to do? Bond with a kid. Bond. Bond. What else? Make them feel special. Okay. What? And listen Create to like a, here. a fun situation. Mm-hmm. And why a else would a mom say to her partner, don't tell daddy that we bought shoes at the store or we crashed the car. Because she was trying to cover it up for herself. Right. And what are we asking the child to do? Lie. Lie and keep. Secrets. And who is the burden on? Kids. Kids. Yeah. Do you see the problem there? Yeah. Yeah. What a sex offender takes advantage of. Mm. And that's the whole explanation of why we have to ask kids. It's too confusing for them. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, to be inconsistent. So we teach them we don't keep secrets. We can keep surprises. Mm. Yeah. And the offenders that I speak with tell me they everything we've talked about so far in this call, they look for. They look for the kid who won't keep secrets. They look for the child who is taught they must obey authority. Mm-hmm. They look for kids whose parents are not having child sex abuse prevention on their radar. They mm-hmm. don't know about body safety. They don't use the correct terminology for genitals. Mm-hmm. So this is what I mean by create environments for children that minimize risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we're doing all these things and We've already jumped into the body safety rules here without calling them body safety rules for your listeners. But so far, some of these are considered body safety rules. Yeah. So let's keep going with that a bit. So I'm trying to remember from the workshop, I came home with a number of body safety rules. And one that really stood out to me was treating your mouth like a a private part. Oh, Hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we teach children from really young ages, no one's allowed to touch the private areas of your body. And I use the umbrella term private areas in my workshops, which is an acceptable term, but Mm -hmm. it's super important to tell kids that means your vagina, your vulva, your testicles, your penis, your buttocks, your anus, your nipples, your mouth. And a mouth is included because sexual organs are put into children's mouths. I know that's graphic and hard for people to hear, but that's why we include the mouth Mm -hmm. in uh, can be a private area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the body safety rules are no one's allowed to touch the private areas of your body. You don't touch other people's private parts. You can touch your own private areas Mm -hmm. when you're in private. And then you begin to teach children what private means when they're by themselves mm-hmm. and for, or in a bathroom or in their bed. It's perfectly fine when they're not with other people and exposing their genitals. And those body safety rules are as applicable for a four-year-old as they are for a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is that it's actually not true that no one's ever allowed to touch your private parts. That conversation changes as kids develop and grow. Right. So at 14, the body safety rule be no one's allowed to touch the private areas of your body without your permission. Mm-hmm. And no one, you don't touch others without their permission, but the concept remains the same. Mm-hmm. So those are the start of the three body safety touching rules. Mm-hmm. And then there's the rule of secrets. We don't keep secrets. We have surprises. Other rules I suggest we touched on earlier around allowing children to choose if and when and whom they give hugs and kisses to and receive them from. Yes. And that's a two-way street. So they need permission from their friends and other people to give hugs as well. Mm -hmm. Because some children are really affectionate and they'll run up to their friends and hug and squeeze and smooch and their friend might not feel comfortable with that. So the rule about everybody is the boss of their own body and gets to choose hugs and kisses is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 And so that brings up a question. So I was talking to some friends and family members and just asking them, I told them, I was like, I'm so excited to talk to Feather and, you know, they all know about your book and stuff. I'm like, do you have any questions that Uh we have to ask? And so the question was brought up about just that very thing, a very affectionate child who's loving and full of life and 
there is like a boundary that's getting crossed with this child being very affectionate in particular to adult males. So what would you say to that person as a parent? And the concern is not wanting to like squash her liveliness or her her love or her spirit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to me, really, it doesn't matter if it's a male or a female that mm-hmm. she's being affectionate with because Men and women both can sexually abuse Mm. children. But Mm -hmm. I understand a parent's concern about adult males. So what I would say to her is the same thing I just said, which Mm -hmm. is it's a perfect teachable moment to teach her child that they are the boss of their own body and so is everybody else. So before this child runs up and sits on someone's lap or starts to hug and kiss, they need to make sure that person is okay with it. And it might feel stilted and like awkward, but you know, that's what adolescents say when they become sexual. I don't want to have to ask every minute if I have to now kiss or touch, but actually that's what keeps us all safe. And Mm -hmm. if we can normalize the conversation, we can start this at three and four years old. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it needs to be a big deal for the parent and absolutely not squash this child's love and affection. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have to do that. It's just about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so good, Feather. Yeah. One thing that is interesting in that scenario, Anna, is also, again, thinking about it in terms of the adult's responsibility. Mm. And it just made me think of like, well, I wonder if also it's just as important for that adult to have an adult conversation reminding that adult like, hey, here's our body rules, you know, like you're frankly like the child is the boss of the child's body and you're the boss of your body. Mm -hmm. So as much as that adult can also model the boundary. So in the work that I do, I teach parents and youth professionals everything we've just talked about, Mm -hmm. the facts about child sex abuse, how it happens through grooming, how a person gets to know a child and their family, if it's the offender is not the parent, Mm. how they groom the child, how they build these friendships, And then the body safety rules. But the most important part for prevention is now taking all of that knowledge around grooming, around age-appropriate sex behavior, and around those body safety rules and sharing that with all of your caregivers. And Mm -hmm. I mean every person that you leave your child in the care of and you drive away from. Mm -hmm. So that means having conversations with your kids' playdate parents, their coaches, gymnastics teachers, their school teachers, nannies, babysitters, your own family members, older youth who might babysit, anyone who's, if you imagine your kids in the middle and then around your child, there's a circle of adults and older youth Mm. who care for your kids. That's your prevention team, but you handpick who those people are. This Mm -hmm. is a concept. It's a concept that takes a lot of energy and a lot of commitment, but it's the way we can prevent this. And I speak with sex offenders about this regularly. And Mm. what I mean by that is I ask them, I ask them questions like, what would you do if a parent of the child you sexually abused would have discussed secrets with you before you abused Mm. or discussed no touching rules or privacy or the choice for 
hugs and kisses, what would you have done? And most of these guys that I meet with tell me they would have gone the other direction. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys have my conversation starter cards with you. And that's a summary on those cards of how to get these conversations started with other parents. Mm-hmm. which quite frankly, parents are terrified to do. And in my workshops of, you know, 50, 60, 80 people that are sitting there, they're, I can see them not breathing when I'm yeah. suggesting yeah. having a conversation. But I will say over and over, and I, we actually haven't discussed this in this call is, are you willing to feel a little uncomfortable by having these conversations so your child never has to? Mm-hmm. That's so and good. I mean, never has to live it. That's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So do you think is, yeah. do you think it's that uncomfortableness or the fear of feeling awkward? Do you think that's the reason why adults don't act on like the like red flag or like hair standing on their up on their arms? Like if they get a weird vibe and they do you think that's why they're not acting on it? Like, yeah, don't we all do that? I mean, and yes, I think that people are afraid to accuse. Mm. They're afraid to offend. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to get it wrong. And I always say, what if you're right? Mm. And offenders tell me that they are purposely looking for the parent who has a gut feeling because they know when you do mm-hmm. and turns the other way because they're too worried about speaking up. Mm. And I will tell you that people who sexually abuse children and they have a pattern of this are more afraid of you than you are of them. Mm. Wow. They are terrified for you to say, you know what? In our family, we don't tickle. Could you please stop? Mm -hmm. Which, in my opinion, you guys tell me that's not offensive. That's not accusatory. And that's not off-putting. Do you agree, you all, that you have the right to say to someone, hey, you know, I feel really uncomfortable with the way you're tickling my child. Yes. Yes. We have a rule in our home that we don't tickle. Or we have a rule in our home that doors stay open. Yes. Or my child's allowed to choose kisses. When you see these things happening, if you ever do, and we don't say anything to them, Mm -hmm. that's giving a green light to that person to push Mm -hmm. the boundary. Mm -hmm. And this is the most fascinating part of sitting with sex offenders and talking with them. And so building this prevention team, to Mm -hmm. me, is the crux of prevention. Mm -hmm. It's making a commitment in your parenting that you will have a conversation no matter how much your heart is pounding and your palms are sweating, Mm -hmm. that you will kindly and proactively say to your caregivers, this is not personal. We do this with everyone. I'd Mm -hmm. love to talk to you about these boundaries in our home and learn the boundaries in your home. Mm -hmm. Let's say if it's a play date Mm -hmm. or if it's a a gymnastic school, Mm -hmm. you tell me, do you have the right to ask the administration of gymnastics or a camp what their child sex abuse prevention policies are mm-hmm. to keep kids safe. Do you mm-hmm. have that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. You have not only the right, but the responsibility to do it on behalf of your kid. Mm-hmm. And that admin has, anyone in the business of youth has a responsibility to have those policies in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is, after 30 years of doing this work, you know, we lock offenders up and that is not prevention. Mm-hmm. Prevention is talking about it. It's talking about it and normalizing the conversation. 
Yes. Wow. This is all so good, Feather. It's so good. It's so helpful. It really is. And I have to say, so I unfortunately, I forgot my conversation starter cards at home. (laughs) But I know, but I have used them. So I ordered the pack and I've used them mostly with nannies or like Mm -hmm. babysitters Mm -hmm. that I've hired. And I feel like just in full transparency, that to me is like the easier conversation Mm -hmm. because I'm hiring them and generally they've been younger, I guess, too. And so Mm -hmm. I feel less intimidated, Mm -hmm. you know, or Mm -hmm. like, like I feel my heart doesn't pound as hard because it's like, listen, you're taking care of my babies, you know, Mm -hmm. and here are the rules and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But um, Mm -hmm. the conversation cards were very helpful with even just like breaking that initial ice. So I had this card and I was like, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to show you something. These are the the body safety rules in our family. And this is something that I show. I show these cards to all caregivers. And it, it helped to just ease, bring a little bit more ease to that conversation. I love that you're telling us exactly what you said, too, because I feel like it's so like that awkward feeling that we talked about of why parents and caregivers wouldn't connect to that gut instinct or ignore that gut instinct Mm -hmm. is because it's like, what are the words that I say Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. So, Feather, you like having this resource. Sorry, I don't know. Or like you having this resource is so valuable to be like, here are the words to use. Yeah. And then you acting it out, Amy. Oh, thank you. Would you, would you like me to do another one? Just, just kidding. Got, but no, on the, on the card, basically, it has four body safety rules. Mm-hmm. And it has four facts about child sex abuse and how yeah. four asks of what you're asking. But around the language, how would, I mean, people struggle so much with like, what do you say mm-hmm. around body safety? But what would you say if you were dropping your child off on a play date? And your child were allergic to peanuts. Hmm. Well, what interesting. Yeah. So interestingly enough, that one's like, and parents have said, uh, I don't want, you know, I brought snacks because I don't want to put you out of, you know, I don't want to make you have to do something special. But, you know, little Joey does have a mm-hmm. severe peanut allergy. So I just packed him a snack in case. But generally, he's really good about knowing that he can't mm-hmm. eat nuts. You know, Now, would your heart pound to say that? no. No. So why does it pound to say we don't have secrets in our family and Lily is the boss of her body? What's the difference? I think partly that we don't talk about it. Yeah. As a a culture. Right. It's just like, ugh. Well, also these conversations seem like to have them way beforehand in prevention. Like this is just what I talk to people about instead of waiting for... Like you have a feeling that something happened. That's a way easier conversation than this is like we have body safety rules and this is how we go about it rather than I think you sexually abused my kid. I think that's the thing is that it is like I feel like, oh, my God, I'm not accusing you of being a sexual abuser, but I just need to tell you these are our body safety rules. Like, I think that's also why it's way harder to have that conversation than a peanut conversation because mm-hmm. I feel like it's so easy that someone could be like, what the hell? Like, why are you even telling okay, me this? Let's play it out. Let's, let's okay. play it out in terms of a, a play date because okay. that's the one where it seems like people are most nervous. Is that true? I mean, if yeah. you're yes. more nervous yeah. with that than you are with the babysitter and with the school, et cetera. So let's say I say to... 
Amy, mm-hmm. and I don't know your child's name. I'm going to make up a name. I yep. say something, and we're not best friends, and we're not strangers. We mm-hmm. were hanging out maybe on the schoolyard volunteering, or we're in the classroom, or the parking lot, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I say to you, hey, Amy, Lily and Sammy have become such great friends in first grade, and all Lily ever does is ask if Sammy can come over on a play date. We'd love to have Sammy over next Wednesday. Would you like to drop him off and have a play date? Lily would love that. Okay, so I'm encouraging parents, just like you would say, here's my car seat. Sammy is allergic to peanuts. What time should I pick him up? Mm -hmm. Whatever is important to you to begin a conversation. And you don't even have to jump in and start with body safety rules, but to make this a priority before you send your child to someone else's home or have them in your home. Mm -hmm. So one of the three of you, how might you break the ice? Eventually, I'll give some language here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I almost think just calling out the awkwardness like, exactly. hey, this is super awkward, but this is something we do. I do it with everybody. These are our rules. We have body safety rules in our home. Yeah. Feather is a badass. And I say, say, and I'm the parent, you know, I'm standing there with you on the playground and you say, okay, well, we have body safety rules in our home. And I say, what's that? Ah. Well, honestly, I always talk about you. So I'm like, oh, well, have you heard of Feather Burkauer? Because I went to this workshop and it is amazing to me how many people, I mean, I know you're in the Denver Boulder area and that's where you give your workshops, but like your name, I feel like is very well known. So many families or moms that I have talked to, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know Feather. And I'll say, well, I really, you know, I believe in what she says and we've taken a lot of those suggestions or her suggestions. So, and made them our own. So my kids have body safety rules, which basically means they are the boss of their bodies. They're allowed to say no. They are if they're uncomfortable, but then also like they're the only ones who can touch their bodies. We also have like a no close off play date or play Mm -hmm. play playtime rule. What else? Oh, play with doors open. And I think that's generally. And all that is perfect. And thank you for tooting my horn. Yeah, but it's what, true. What if, what if the right. person has never heard of parenting safe yep. children? Let me, let me propose this to you. Kay. And all that's great. Those are the body safety rules you're eventually going to get to. Okay. The first, the first thing I'm going to say is this is a two-way street, and it's not about an interrogation. It's about a conversation. So uh-huh. let's say you've said to me, hey, Feather, would you like to bring Lily over to play? Next week with Sammy, we would love to have her. Okay, Mm -hmm. you're asking me. Okay. Tell me how this sounds to make your heart pound less. What if I said something like, well, thank you so much, Amy, for inviting Lily over. She's so excited to come. She talks about Sammy all the time also. You know, we've never had a play date before. And, you know, Lily's never been to your house. Sammy's never been to our house. So I was wondering if before the kids had a play date, you would be willing to talk about some of the rules in your home mm. so I can make sure Lily can follow them mm. and y- you can learn some of the rules in our home and how we do play dates. I can get to know what's important to you and vice versa and we can make sure the kids are safe. Would you be willing to talk about some of those topics? Mm. Mm, that's good. Does that feel offensive? Not no. Well, it, especially because you're asking them first. Exactly. Like about their rules. So exactly. then, it, then, of course, they're going to reciprocate and be like, well, right. what are yours? Right. And if someone says to you, 
man, you're high maintenance, or what are you talking about? Or no, I'm not interested in so many words. Then you have just screened whether Mm. this person is part of your prevention team or not. And that's where it gets hard to say, you know what? Thank you for the invitation, but I'm not comfortable. If Mm -hmm. the person says, no, I don't want to No, I, this is not important to me or, or patronizes, which most people won't if you approach it that way. Right. You know, if if now I, Amy says to me, sure, that sounds great. What did you have in mind? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, first of all, we do this with everyone. You know, Lily right now is going through a stage where she's potty training and she loves to rip her clothes off and run around naked. So would you do your best to help me keep her clothes on? Because she loves to take them off. Mm. Does that sound offensive? No. Mm-mm. Okay. And then I might say, when Sammy comes to my home, is there anything that you need me to know about him? Yeah. And then we don't have secrets in our home. And how about in your home with doors open and screen time? And you're just weaving it all in. Bicycle yep. helmets, car seats. And it becomes a conversation instead mm. of an interrogation. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. important to have with if you have the time and the wherewithal, the family members, right? you know, and to get to know people and the older kids that might be there. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, too, because I remember one thing I also remember from the workshop is you might send Sammy over for a play date, but then you don't know who else. And you might know Sammy's mom from the playground, but who else is in the house. And, you know, I feel like if you're able to have that conversation, then you can learn about so much more about who's in the house during the play date. Exactly. And yeah, all the, the sleepover. I mean, right. Sleepover is so important to learn the sleeping arrangements. And these conversations can be the same approach with the youth organizations that you leave your kids in, mm-hmm. you sign your kids up for with their schools, with their teachers, because here's, you know, in summary of all of this, If you are sharing proactively these body safety rules with your caregivers and the people you leave your kids with, what if you are speaking with someone who has a sexual behavior problem with kids Mm -hmm. and you're letting them know that your child doesn't have secrets and we have body safety rules and doors open or whatever you're discussing, are you on our team? Mm -hmm. What if this person is grooming you and your child? What do you think might happen? If that nanny sitting on the couch across from you when you're interviewing or whomever it is, what might happen if you're discussing sex abuse of kids? Well, I definitely don't think they would want to work with my kids or me. That's the point, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't promise that to anyone, but mm-hmm. that is the concept that I'm trying to educate, that that's how we deter older youth and adult people who sexually abuse kids. Mm -hmm. Because from all of these people I've spoken to, they tell me the moment they get a whiff of you having an inkling Mm -hmm. of their behavior that makes Mm -hmm. you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you begin to pull back or speak about it, they get scared. Mm -hmm. And some offenders absolutely will push harder and become more tricky. But for the most part, They need an easy victim. Mm -hmm. And this includes for any listeners, you know, incest is a huge piece of sexual abuse. And this occurs in families as well against the other parent or extended family members. All this grooming we're talking about, children are chosen, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically for vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. even if it's all all the children in the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. So, Feather, I have a question. Yeah. Talking about like connecting to that gut feeling or that instinct that we have that we might deny because it's awkward or uncomfortable. Can you tell us what some of the red flags are that people might be ignoring? generally speaking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every one of us on this call, I'm sure has done this in our life. We all do it. Mm -hmm. So we are given, we all have intuition Mm -hmm. and a gut feeling, and it's our biggest safety radar, whether it's about sex abuse or not. Mm -hmm. And when something is off, when you question something, when something just doesn't feel right, unfortunately, so much of the time we turn away from it. And later we say, I had a feeling. Mm -hmm. And when there's nothing wrong, that feeling doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. doesn't come up because it's, you know, it's a natural human instinct to give us a red flag when something's off. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to children, it's a huge disservice not to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And we don't listen for all the reasons we've discussed so far, Mm -hmm. offending people. And it's really important to teach children to nurture, you know, to listen to their own Mm -hmm. because they have it from little teeny ages. Right. Um, There's a really great book I recommend by Gavin DeBecker called Protecting the Gift Mm. or The Gift of Fear. Both of his books are phenomenal and it's all about instinct. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Protecting the gift. Protecting the gift and the gift of fear. Wow. And that doesn't mean we have to live in fear. That's not what that's about. It's about when something doesn't feel right. You're with your child at a swimming class and something just doesn't feel right with another child or with the instructor. You never, parents do not need to explain why and have a reason. You just don't. Your biggest reason is you just, there's something off. Hmm. And at that point, you get to either say something or make choices on behalf of your child. Hmm. And if your child says something like, I'm not comfortable with this person, and we say, oh, that's silly, or that person loves you, where instead of tell me more, right? what's your discomfort, we're shutting that child's instinct down, hmm. just like we shut our own down. Yeah. So that brings up another question I have. How... Like false reporting, is that something, how common is that? What do you guys think? I don't think it's common at all. False reporting? Yeah, like a kid saying to the parent, like someone touched me inappropriately or I just don't like this person or or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like I wouldn't, I don't think it's common at all. Young young children cannot fabricate details about sex. Because they wouldn't know otherwise. Right. And act acts that yeah. they don't know about. Teenagers absolutely can, but there's a very low motive. Yeah. <laughs> because there's all kinds of really unfortunate things happen when kids do tell about sex abuse. The way children typically lie about sexual abuse is by saying it didn't happen mm-hmm. when wow. it did. Mm-hmm. Because they want to protect the people they love. But mm-hmm. it's rare for a child to just fabricate. And if a child does, that child is calling out for help and needs attention. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will change the story to say, this person touched me versus this person because they're so afraid to tell the truth about who really did it because Mm -hmm. it's someone they love. But fabrication is very uncommon. Okay. It can happen, but it rarely does. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, we are, this is so many good nuggets. You know, we usually end our podcast with a challenge or a little nugget and we have so many of them. Mm -hmm. I think that we could leave our our audience with. Feather, I wanted to ask you too, is there anything that we should have asked you about that we didn't? Good question, Anna. 
there's so much, but I'm <laughs> yeah. back. I, mean, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I think one other topic we really didn't touch on that people can get in my book or they can, you know, the workshops that I present in Boulder, Denver area are available online for people who live outside yes. of Colorado all over the world. It's the same exact workshop as the oh, live workshop with awesome. the materials, super affordable, mm-hmm. parentingsafechildren.com, just register for the workshop. But one area is to talk about age-appropriate sexual behavior Mm. in children Mm -hmm. versus concerning acting out behavior because there is a direct link between children who are properly educated and nurtured in their sexual development and given information about their own bodies, other people's bodies, and about sex Mm -hmm. from the moment they ask and even before they ask because it's a parent's responsibility to keep kids safe, and that means giving them correct information. Right. And there's a direct link between kids who don't get that and sex abuse. So I think it's really important to talk about that topic next time if we do this again yeah. and, and pornography because, okay. yeah, yeah, the average age of that children are exposed to porn on a device is between 8 and 11 years old. Wow. So, yeah, we can talk about that. Next time, all that information you can find on my website also. And I have to say, too, the book list. Yeah. The book list. So I bought, uh, I mean, so many of the books on there about how to have the conversations with young kids, however old, all ages to start sex education, basically, with your own kids. And I think that all those resources were are super helpful. So Great. definitely go Great. to the website and check that out. So before we wrap this up officially, uh-huh. Feather, we, Anna has this thing <laughs> that <laughs> she will ask everybody who comes on our show a random Hopefully goofy and completely unrelated question. Just for fun. Just okay. for fun. To end on a light Uh-oh. note. Yes. Okay. So it's, not, it's nothing it okay? you have to like study for. Are you no. okay with the question? Be easy on me. All right. Okay, you ready? Okay, would you rather eat a small can of cat food or would you rather eat two rotten tomatoes? Oh, my God. <laughs> Aaron always, always, always like, turn my nose up when I'm like, where did you That's get this, Anna? That's a hard Anna? one. Yeah. Uh, I don't eat tomatoes because oh. I don't eat I don't eat lectins and I don't oh. know if anyone knows what that is. Yeah. Yep. Between the two, definitely the tomato. <laughs> 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 that says a lot. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Feather, thank you again. Thank you, thank you so much for thank all the work much. that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Um and thanks on behalf of all the children out there and all the parents. I mean really, truly. Oh my gosh. And so much practical like yeah. info and advice and oh man. Yeah. It's like totally a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad. So, I'm so glad it's valuable. Yes. And thanks for thinking of me and having me join you guys. Yeah, it yeah. was great. Thanks again. Thank and you, we'll be in touch so hopefully to schedule another another one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Bye. Have a great thanks, day. Bye bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so we talk about connection. That's what our deal is here. So we have a six-step roadmap for instant connection. You can get that at connectionroadmap.com. It will give you the hookup on what to do to get instantly connected with people in this world. Thanks for listening. You can find more about this episode and a way to connect to the community at lessalonepodcast.com. And if you like us, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave a review. 
It helps other people find us and could be just what they need. 